On this week's edition of New York Now, Governor Kathy Hochul's first state budget is out. We'll have details. That starts the clock on negotiations with lawmakers. Daryl Camp has reaction. We'll get context on Hochul's budget from Patrick Orecki from the Citizens Budget Commission. And Politico's Bill Mahoney and Marie French have analysis and more news from the week. I'm Dan Clark, and this is New York Now. Today, the Senate majority will pass legislation. I will fight like hell for you every single day, like I've always done and always will. Welcome to this week's edition of New York Now. I'm Dan Clark. Governor Kathy Hochul released her first state budget proposal this week with a price tag of $216 billion. For context, that's more than Florida and Pennsylvania combined. Sure, the state budget is a balance of spending and revenue, and that's really important for pretty much any public service you can think of. But the state budget is also a vehicle for new policy items. Every year, lawmakers and the governor use the state budget as leverage for controversial issues. And it's very much a give and take. Someone will budge on one thing if they can get what they want somewhere else. And very often that involves policy. Last year, it was marijuana. Three years ago, it was bail reform. So it's a lot more than just spending, but it's also a statement of someone's priorities. For Governor Kathy Hochul, those appear to be education, infrastructure, and healthcare. Take a look. It's not a bad problem to have. For the first time in several years, New York is flush with cash. That's thanks to billions of dollars in pandemic relief money from the federal government and higher tax rates on the wealthy. Governor Kathy Hochul. Our state is in strong financial position due to a combination of factors. Increased tax receipts, a thriving stock market, and an influx of federal aid through the American Rescue Plan and the Infrastructure Act. The result was Hochul's first executive budget proposal this week, with a price tag of $216 billion. That's an increase of $3.4 billion over last year. And because of New York's strong rise in revenue, the state can afford it. That's according to State Budget Director Robert Mejica. So the surplus position in combination with the reserve deposits already planned makes it possible in this year's budget to really fund new commitments, make investments, the spending increase will go towards the healthcare industry, a small bump for state agencies, and new money for schools. Hochul's budget would add $2.1 billion in new school spending, an increase of about 7%. We'll provide more than $31 billion in aid for our schools, continuing our commitment to fully fund education and foundation aid, and that brings us to the highest level the state has invested in education ever. Hochul's budget would also invest $10 billion in the state's healthcare industry over several years, starting with paid bonuses for workers. Funding would also be directed to hospitals used to raise Medicaid reimbursement rates and spent to support managed care. One of our shared values as New Yorkers is that everyone deserves the dignity of access to quality health care, especially during a public health crisis. At the same time, Hochul's budget wouldn't raise taxes or fees. Instead, it would speed up tax cuts for middle-income earners. They would take effect next year instead of 2025 under Hochul's plan. And her budget would also set aside about $2 billion for a one-time property tax rebate program. Mahika again. The rebate checks are, that's just a way to give back some of the dividend, right, to some of the taxpayers. And the taxpayers that are paying some of the highest taxes because the highest taxes in New York 
on individuals are actually the property tax, right, not the personal income tax. Hochul's budget would also make a major investment in access to high-speed internet. The spending plan would earmark $1.6 billion to expand broadband access. That's separate from Hochul's infrastructure plan, which would direct $32 billion over five years for everything from major transit hubs to bumps in the road. I've also declared war on potholes, so here's the first shot across the bow. A $1 billion plan called Operation Pop, Pave Our Potholes. And this strategy takes us from potholes to not holes. But critics of Hochul's budget were also quick to say what she left out. After the state's eviction moratorium expired last week, housing advocates were hoping for more rent relief money in Hochul's budget. Instead, the spending plan would put about $2 billion toward undetermined, quote, pandemic recovery initiatives. And I'll work with the legislature to identify the most impactful use of these funds in the short term whether that's help for struggling small landlords and their tenants, or the hardest hurt industries and workers, or for other purposes. Hochul's also not seeking changes to the state's new bail laws in her budget. Republicans have blamed those laws for the state's rise in crime, though there's been no critical analysis on that claim. And while Hochul's budget adds money to law enforcement, Mejica said that funding is geared more toward violence prevention programs. We want to put these resources in there it's mostly for, you know, for non-police resources, right? This is for trying to avoid the violence before it actually happens. There were also a few obscure but important additions in Hochul's budget. For providers in the human services sector, like mental health and substance use, Hochul's budget would provide a long-sought 5.4% cost-of-living adjustment to raise their wages and retain staff. And for the childcare industry, Hochul wants to invest $1.4 billion. This will make 400,000 more families eligible for childcare subsidies and will invest more in childcare workers as well. And now, Hochul will start negotiations with the state legislature on a final state spending plan. That means we'll see budget hearings over the next few weeks and eventually a new state budget hopefully by the end of March. That's when it's due to avoid a government shutdown. So a lot hinges on these next few months. Let's get reaction to Hochul's budget from state lawmakers with reporter Daryl Camp, who's with me now in studio. Daryl. Overall, lawmakers weren't overwhelmingly positive or negative about the governor's budget proposal, but they did make their voices heard in the following days concerning their priorities for the budget and for the rest of the legislative session. Deputy Senate Majority Leader Michael Gianaris says there were some things that he thought deserved more attention in the budget. Oh, I think we, we talked about it some. I, I do think we need, we're going into um, a cycle where we're going to have public financing of campaigns in New York. I'd like to see some more money dedicated uh, towards that than, than I've seen so far. The excluded workers I mentioned were left out. Rent reliefs more specifically uh, outlined would be, would be important to me. So we'll see. The Excluded Workers Fund was a $2.1 billion allotment in last year's state budget that provided unemployment benefits for people who wouldn't normally qualify for them, including undocumented workers. Hochul did include new funding for the healthcare industry in her budget and money to expand coverage under state-sponsored insurance plans. But some progressive lawmakers were hoping for something bigger, like the New York Health Act. That would create a single-payer healthcare system in New York, sort of like a Medicare for All model. It's sponsored by Assembly Health Chair Richard Gottfried. You have inadequate health coverage if you have it, and I have inadequate health coverage. Because all of us, our health coverage is, is beset with 
with deductibles and copays and restricted provider networks and and skyrocketing premiums going up higher than uh, than wages or inflation. Democrats are also pushing for universal child care, the good cause eviction bill, and further criminal justice reforms, such as the fair and timely parole bill. Republicans, on the other hand, are looking to roll back one of the recent reforms, in particular, bail reform. Senate Republican leader Rob Ort says he is skeptical about the way public safety was addressed in the budget. Nothing about bail, changing bail back, getting rid of cashless bail. Then there was $224 million for, to address gun violence. I'd really like to see what that entails. I mean, that's a lot of money. You're, how are you addressing that gun violence? Is that some massive gun buyback program? What is, what is the plan there? Budget Director Robert Mejica told reporters this week that most of that money will be used for non-law enforcement functions, such as violence interruption groups like SNUG. One area of the budget that does seem to have bipartisan support is veteran services. Hochul included a bump in funding for the Joseph P. Dwyer program, a peer-to-peer -peer mental health and support program for veterans. Assembly Republican Vice Chair Jake Ashby said this was a welcome change this year. I have to tell you, I'm pretty pleased what I see uh, in terms of veterans. Uh, you know, I think what the governor is trying to do uh, in terms of funding for the Dwyer program and its expansion, I think is great. Overall, it appears that lawmakers are seeing opportunity to make inroads on a number of fronts during Governor Hochul's first budget negotiation. Great. Thank you so much, Daryl. So as you can tell when it comes to the numbers, New York state budget is massive. It's now more than $210 billion. And just for context, we told you earlier it was Florida and Pennsylvania combined. It's also twice the size of Florida. And just 10 years ago, the state budget was much smaller at about $132 billion. That's an increase of more than 50% in the last decade. And as you can imagine, there is a lot packed in there. For more on that, I turned this week to budget expert Patrick Orecki from the Citizens Budget Commission. Patrick, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Dan. Of course. So we have the state budget, Governor Kathy Hochul's proposed state budget, it's out. I wanna start first with the state's financial condition. So we've heard a lot in the past few days about how New York is flush with cash. We have a lot in hand. I wanna put some context to that. So are we doing good financially just in general, like it was any other year, or are we just doing well in terms of the pandemic? Like, are we back to normal or are we doing better than where we were before the pandemic? Simply put, we are doing better than we were before the pandemic. Uh, the budget that was proposed this week by the governor has budget balance not only this year, so for the year that the budget covers, but also for the next four years. And that level of budget balance is something that we really haven't seen pretty much ever. Um, so it's really incredible that the state has materialized as many state tax receipts as it has to close the gaps that did exist pre-pandemic and actually have budget balance for this long. Yeah, let's talk about those receipts. We're talking about revenue coming into the state. So we have a lot more revenue right now than I think we anticipated having when we passed last year's state budget last March and April. So is that because of all the federal money that we got or is it because of these higher tax rates that we put in on the wealthy? I think we've seen in the past few days, a couple of people say, well, don't count out that tax hike. So what's the balance there? Is it mostly just that federal money or is a fair share part of those tax increases that we put in effect last year? Yeah, it's really three things. The first is the federal aid, um, not only some targeted aids for schools and for the Medicaid program, but general fiscal relief that the federal government authorized as well. 
The second thing is the just base tax receipts. So actually, even before considering the tax actions that were taken last year, the tax receipts losses that the state was expecting during the pandemic never materialized. And in fact, the tax base was a little bit stronger because the stock market and high income earners remained so solid throughout the pandemic. And then the third thing, like you said, is the actual tax increases that were enacted last year. So those were about four to $5 billion annually in additional receipts that were added to. So all three of those things combined to completely kind of flip the script from what was expected even a year ago. On the middle item, the tax receipts, are we just talking about income tax receipts or are we talking about more uh, income, sales tax, that kind of thing all across the board receipts? It's basically across the board. Um, personal income tax receipts are the biggest single state tax receipt that we receive. And specifically, a lot of our uh, personal income tax receipts come from high income earners. So when high income earners do really well and when the stock market and capital gains do really well, the state benefits from that kind of upside risk in our tax structure. All right, so the other side of this is the spending side of it. We have a total budget, all funds, and that means state operating funds, federal funds, capital funds, all the money across the board is equal to $216 billion under this budget proposal from the governor. So how does that increase look like compared to other years? We talked about this a little bit previously this week, but in terms of increases, I believe it was in 2011, the state budget was $130 billion. So we've gone up quite a bit since then. Is the increase uh, similar to what we've seen in recent years over the past decade, or is it larger, smaller? Yeah, the big jump really happened in this current year. So we jumped above $200 billion for the first time this year. Um, and we expected the budget to actually go down a little bit in what was proposed for next year. And that did not happen. We're actually going to increase a little bit to $216 billion, like you said. And again, that's because federal receipts have come in high, state tax receipts have come in high. All of these uh, kind of inflows have been so positive that it allows for more spending this year and next year as well. So just to give our viewers some context, what are these big parts of the budget that the state spends money on? I think uh, when I look at it, I'm looking at things like uh, schools and Medicaid, but when we're looking at the budget as, this, uh, as a pie chart, let's call it, where's the money mostly going here? Yeah, two thirds of the budget is spent on three general purposes. The biggest is the Medicaid program. So Medicaid covers right now about 7 million New Yorkers, provides healthcare coverage for them. It's a little over $80 billion a year in total spending. Second biggest thing is on schools. So that's over $30 billion a year. And the third big bucket is on the state's workforce. So those three together are about two thirds of that total $216 billion pie. And out of those, do we see any larger than normal increases in those those big spending areas in Hochul's budget? Yeah, especially in Medicaid and in school spending. Uh, the Medicaid program added a lot of people during the course of the pandemic. A lot of people shifted from having coverage through their job into the Medicaid program, maybe temporarily, um, maybe for a longer spell. On schools, big increases were enacted last year as part of the budget negotiations. So a lot of increased spending on schools was already booked as of last April. 
Um, so we do see some marginal increases in what was expected to be spent on schools, but not as uh, significant as, as was enacted last year. You know, this is a, a much easier conversation than previous years because I think it was just two years ago that we had a multi-billion dollar deficit, something around $6 billion heading into the budget season. This year, we don't have a deficit, and the budget, as you said, doesn't have a deficit in these out-year uh, projections in the next couple of years as well. Do you think that makes it harder or easier to, to form a final state budget in the next couple of months? Usually we're asking the question of, okay, do we have enough money to spend on this thing? But this time around, it's more of a question of, we have all of this money, what are we gonna do with it? Does that make it harder? I think in some ways it's easier, in some ways it's harder. I mean, it's certainly easier to be able to support what you wanna su support, and then it comes down to prioritizing within that kind of wish list. Um, what's harder about it is that there are a lot of asks and a lot of things to identify. And certainly right now in current circumstances, this is a pandemic budget still. So there are urgent recovery needs and you know continued needs for businesses, for individuals, for schools across the board. So the next two and a half months will be a, a very long discussion between the governor and the legislature about prioritizing exactly how everything fits in. Yeah, it's gonna be a really interesting year to watch because as I said, the fight is not so much about where do we put the money that we don't have, it's where do we put the money that we do have. So we'll have you back just to get some more analysis on that. Until then, Patrick Orecki from the Citizens Budget Commission, thank you so much. Thank you. So a lot to break down, including some campaign news. Let's get into it with this week's panel. Bill Mahoney and Marie French are both from Political New York in what I'm calling the Political Power Panel this week. Thank you both for being here. I want to start with budget. So Marie, something that we haven't covered in the show yet is Hochul's energy and environment plans in the budget, which was a big thing when she first took office. She did Climate Week in New York City, and she had all these plans. So let's start with what we do see in the budget under her in terms of climate, energy, that type of stuff. Yeah, so um, probably one of the bigger things is the bo boosting the Bond Act to $4 billion mm. and, you know, adding some money in there for green buildings and green schools. Um, that's probably, you know, one of the biggest, I guess, wins for environmentalists. Um, but she had already announced that, as you noted, during Climate Week. The, the other, like, newer thing is boosting the Environmental Protection Fund, which is the state's signature fund to fund, like, open space conservation and other priorities to 400 million, which will be the, the highest level, you know, if the oh, legislature wow. goes along with it. And it was 300 million previously, right? Yeah, it was it was um, slashed dramatically sort of after the recession and then was slowly built back up and Cuomo had it at 300 million for the last few years. Okay, so it, what is not in there is the other question because, <laughs> you know, for as many things that are in there, we know that the environmental advocates are gonna say, well, she didn't have X, Y, and Z in there. So what's not in there that they would have liked to have seen? Well, I, I think um, some environmental groups, uh, particularly, you know, the NY Renews Coalition, which kind of was a, a driving force behind the state's climate law, really wanted to see some dedicated, more specific funding for climate mitigation efforts, um, you know, to build new renewables, to, you know, speed along this transition off fossil fuels. And they were largely, you know, disappointed by by Hochul's budget, I think, because there wasn't like a huge pot of money that she designated for that. She did have, you know, some money under the housing fund to start electrifying some homes um, and move that process forward. She did propose a gas ban on new construction, um, and that's, you know, pretty significant to have a state propose that that would be, you know, the first in the nation for and a state to do that. Is that a gas ban on new power plants, or is that a gas ban on, like, 
new buildings? Like, what does that apply to? Yeah, so it's um, it would be a ban on fossil fuels in new construction for buildings. So, you know, you build your house, you can't put in, you know, gas or oil, you would have to electrify it. Um, and she's proposed to kick it kind of to a building codes council that the state has and said, you know, we should do this by no later than 2027. Um, but a lot of advocates and some of the New York City lawmakers want to see an earlier date for that. They want to see it 2024, like let's just stop putting in gas for, for our all buildings. How does the Climate Action Council play into stuff like that? Because as you and I both know, they have a, a draft scoping plan right now to get to the state's renewable energy goals. That They control that whole thing, the state's plan. So how does Hochul's plans and that play into each other? Do they complement each other or do they? Is it all part of one thing? Yeah, so actually, you know, Hochul's proposal, um, depending on what the Building Codes Council would do, really does, like, play into the Climate Action Council's draft scoping plan because it calls for an end to fossil fuels and new construction for low-rise and single-family homes by 2024 and then for all other, you know, commercial and high-rise multifamily buildings by 2027. So her proposal is in line with the draft scoping plan. That's really interesting. And... and I should note for our viewers that you can comment on the scoping plan. It's on the, the Climate Action Council's website. It's all there. Um, we covered in it a little bit in November, December. I don't remember when we had the commissioner on. So that's really interesting. I'm excited to see where things go in the next few months with that because we had the landmark climate law pass in, uh, was it 2019 or 2020? Yep, 2019. 2019. So this is all leading up to, like, it feels like we're just building and building and building to yes. like where we're eventually going to get to somewhere where we have a actual structured plan for climate change in New York. So we'll see. I want to turn to you, Bill, and some campaign news. Campaign filings were due on Friday. That was the end of the fundraising period. So now we had filings come out this week. Let's start with the, the governor's campaign filings. So what do we see as her financial position going into this year's election? She's made up for a lot of lost time. Um, yeah. the, the governor reported raising about $22 million, which shatters every record we had for a filing period in New York. That's crazy. The, the filing <laughs> periods are usually about six months, and $12 million had been the record for a couple of decades now, and Hochul just completely blew by that, nearly doubled it, um, which leaves her in pretty good financial position. Usually it costs about 30 to $40 million to win a gubernatorial race, and this year's cycle was a little bit weird because the incumbent governor for most of the cycle is no longer running for re-election, theoretically. Mm -hmm. um, but um, Governor Hochul brought herself right into the, uh, made clear that she's um, the front runner in terms of the financial picture, at least. Do we know where the money is coming from? Does it look like a lot of individual donors? Does it look like a lot of special interests? Well, it's like we've seen with most filings of top-tier New York politicians in the past. Um, it's from big donors who can afford to write big checks. If you're raising $20 million by going around and asking people for $10 at a time, that's a lot of phone calls you need to make. You're probably not going to have time for actually being governor. But if you're collecting checks of $70,000 a piece, then you know that's just a handful of fundraisers a week, perhaps. Um, <laughs> and that's really what she relied on. If you look at her filings, um, only about 146000 of that $21.9 million came from small donors who gave $250 or less. Oh, boy. Um, while about 100 times as much money, $14.5 came from people who gave 10000 or more. Wow. Um, so she really <laughs> turned to those people who can afford to write bigger checks than the average New Yorker can. Um, and, that's, and so she's right back, um, financially speaking, where um, Governor Cuomo had been in past cycles at this point. So where are her competitors in the primary? Tom Swazi and Jumani Williams are her main competitors in the primary. I'm assuming they're coming nowhere close. Yeah, Jumani Williams was more, you know, like 
he was outraised by a handful of state Senate assembly candidates. Oh. Um, so he's not, he's never been a strong fundraiser though. He always relies on kind of like this populist progressive network throughout the state that's willing to knock on doors and volunteer their time for him. So he's not the type you expect who big real estate's gonna be writing $50,000 checks to anytime soon. No. Um, Tom Swazi actually had a pretty good filing. He raised over $3 million. He's already raised more this cycle than Cynthia Nixon did in the entirety of her campaign against Cuomo four years ago. So oh, wow. for a, primary challenger to a Democratic governor, he's in pretty good shape. But it just still leaves him so far behind Hochul that it's difficult to think of how he'll make up this lost ground anytime soon. And um, I don't think anybody suspects he'll be financially competitive. Right. Um, he'll be financially respectable, but not really in the same ballpark as Hochul come the run up to the primary. We got about a minute left. So looking past the primary, assuming Governor Kathy Hochul wins the primary, which it looks like she probably will now, unless some major upset happens. What does it look like in terms of her versus Lee Zeldin? We've heard talk in the past couple of months that this is the year that Republicans can gain some ground, maybe not win the gubernatorial election, but maybe they, they do a little bit better than past cycles. So Zeldin, like Swazi, had a pretty good financial um, filing where he raised over $4 million and combined with what he raised earlier in 2021, um, he's already the top raising Republican candidate for governor we've seen in 20 years in New York. So oh, wow. that's not bad. And there's talks currently underway of creating a national super PAC to support him that could theoretically raise up to $20 million, which obviously would be a bit of a financial game changer if that does happen. Although there's plenty of time things like this are talked about, but they don't quite meet their financial goals. Right. Um, but he, he does have a long fight ahead of him, even if he does, he is able to match Hochul dollar for dollar. New York is a blue state. and that might not be enough um, just in a straight up ad campaign battle that's evenly matched come October. So we'll have to see what his plans are. Yeah, we'll see. Really exciting election year. Marie French and Bill Mahoney, both from Politico. Thank you both so much for being here for our Politico power panel here on this weekend. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> of Thank course. You. And if you missed Hochul's budget address this week, we do have it up on our website. That's at nynow.org. And we'll keep it on the homepage throughout the weekend. We are hoping to have the governor on the show soon and we'll keep you posted on that. Until then, thanks for watching this week's New York Now. Have a great week and be well.